Hello there. This is the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. This episode, my guest for the fifth time is Callum Preston. Um, Callum is a friend of mine who's done this podcast five times and is uh, a great artist and graphic designer and uh, someone who's played in bands for a long time and... um, a lot of opinions about music, which is why we get on very well and talk a lot. Um, Callum did both the live episodes of this podcast that I've done and um, has been on it twice otherwise, so I thought it was only fitting now that we've restarted it to get him on to talk about a record that he likes. Um, Callum chose The Blue Album by Weezer, uh, which is, you know, sort of one of those modern classic records at this point. Um Something that I'm not heaps around, I suppose, as a record, but obviously I'm very aware of all the singles and the choruses and things like that. So, yeah, it was fun to talk about it and fun to talk about how that, you know, uh, sort of came into his mind. And I guess both both of us did a little bit of research for once on this. So, we looked up some cool facts and some stories about the album and, you know, how that relates to... I guess, our knowledge of music and the times that it came up in. So, yeah, it was a good chat. Um, I, you know, have, me and Callum have been known in the past to get in the habit of rabbiting on quite a bit. So, I think this one was quite measured in that sense. So, good on us both. Um, But yeah, much like all the other podcasts, it's been really fun talking about something that I've not had uh, too much knowledge on, I suppose, and exposing myself to something different and also learning a bit more about things that I didn't know so much about. Um, as I've said previously, there's other people you think I should talk to or other uh, records you should talk about. Let me know if there's, uh, you know, um, anything else you want to hear on the podcast. Let me know. Give it a review. Um Tell me where you're listening to it too, if you want to, because I'd like to know where people are getting it from. Um, It's up on, obviously, whatever platform you're listening to it on now, so that's good. But yeah, I want to make sure that I'm reaching as many people as I can. So if there's somewhere it's not going where you'd like it to be, let me know. Um, Follow us on the social stuff if you want. um, Doing, you know, posting about things on there from time to time as well. Um, Yeah, otherwise, please enjoy episode 80 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with my mate Callum Preston and us talking about the Blue Album by Weezer. Fucking brutal. All right, for the fifth time, as I counted right before we did this, Callum, thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. I've been waiting by the phone, obviously. <laughs> no, this is awesome. Thank you for having me back uh, for a fifth time. That's 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 a bit absurd. I don't even really play music anymore. But yeah. Oh well, you know. Yeah. You're, although just, I bought, you're good I bought, for a chat. I bought a guitar, so yeah. isolation. Isolation. You know, I might come out of this. The new Chuck Reagan. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> when I said this morning. I called Duck and I said to her, I'm doing a podcast with Calum. And she said, she just said, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, roasted. She's heard enough of you at this point. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's fair. Hopefully that's not a, sh- a universally shared sentiment, <laughs> but, but I have good, I have good news because I'm here um, to do 
like I'm here with purpose. I'm here to keep you. You've reissued the podcast, obviously. Yes. And, uh, I'm here to crack the whip and keep you on on topic and on track because it's so easy to slip into stories about Michael Jackson concerts <laughs> and a morbid angel long sleeve shirt that you bought at some bong store in Canberra. And the people know all of this stuff, you know, and, and the same from me. Like, if you hear me trailing off into some sort of story about a freezer gig or, uh, <laughs> or, or going a, on. We have a responsibility to keep each other in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 I issue, uh, you asked me what record and I, I gave you a record. Then uh, we've both, you know, done further research. So, we're here to provide, you know, a learned educational podcast for the people. You know, we've, we're. It, it only took, this is going to be the 80th episode, so it took quite a lot to get professional, but, you know, we're there now. <laughs> well, we'll see how this comes out, but yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, do, do you announce the record? I mean, do I announce the record? Could, you could say it. Well, so I chose the album Weezer, self-titled. It's actually, it's just called Weezer, but it's universally known as the Blue Album, Um which and is uh, they did, I mean, they did that for like a bunch of records, right? All the coloured records are just called Weezer, uh, or no? Yeah, no, I don't think they technically are, but um, they've done a bunch since. Like yeah. this, this it was an accident that this came out like that. But we can, I, I even have some info about that. We can get to that. But um, yeah, I chose that record. Um, is it my favourite record ever? No, I, I don't think so. But I don't actually know what my favourite record is, but. It's a record that I can listen to start to finish without having to, you know, feel burnt out on too many songs on it. There's like probably Buddy Holly and Say It Ain't So were probably borderline at different times that I've like overcooked them and yeah. could do without. But generally, it's like it feels like a bit of a desert island kind of record. Um, and I've been seeing it pop up in these Instagram, you know, challenge, isolation challenge, like choose three records. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and it, it usually gets a run for most people. Um, so I'm glad to know that you know that's that's the case because I have a real soft spot for it more than anything. But um, when yeah. when did you first hear it? Well, that that is interesting. My question is, when did you first hear it? Was it two days ago when I told you what record? No, no. Uh, um, I th- well, I obviously knew the hits from yeah. it. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure where Weezer fell on your radar. I mean, I'm not like I. I'm musically aware of them as a band. Um, I would say, I would say, I can't, rem- I can't remember when I first heard the songs of it. But like, I mean, I've known Say It Ain't So. I feel like my entire adult life. So yeah. I must yeah, yeah. have, like, people must have been listening to that at some stage when I was in school. I think yeah. the, I mean, the big thing that like triggered for me, and I don't know why. It did, but maybe I saw it on TV, like on MTV when I lived in China or something, like videos or something. But for some reason, this record and just Weezer in general, to me, in my head triggers like Daria, American Pie, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that stuff. Yeah, totally. And like, yeah. I know the that- Cardigan kind of generation. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that's more- I guess associated. Well, I mean, American Pie certainly is more associated with like pop punk, and yeah. Dari is probably more associated with grunge. But I feel like that's where Weezer fits, like pretty right in the middle of yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so, I mean, I I got this record for Christmas in CD format, uh, Christmas nineteen ninety four. Yeah, um, which it 
so it came out on the 10th of May, 1994, and it was the first Weezer record. Yeah. So they've done 13 records since. This is this is my research coming in here. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I got, you know, I. it's weird because I was trying to think about how did you find out about new records that were coming out back then? As You know, because 1994, I was 10. At Christ- Christmas time, 94, I was 10. So um, I, I only knew about them because of, the singles, which would have been Say It Ain't So and Body Holly, which were probably getting rotation on Triple J, which meant my brother was probably making like some mixtapes of them. Yeah. And I saw the film clip for Buddy Holly on uh, on Rage or something like that. Yeah. So that that was that was enough for me to say like I want this CD and it was, you know, it was like a two C D Christmas. You know, mm. like I got I got that and I think I got Blur the Great Escape. I'm pretty sure that was the other record I got. And I got a skateboard. I know because I can picture a photo of myself on Christmas morning in my pajamas holding two <laughs> CDs and a skateboard. Um, but so, but it's crazy. Like this record came out and it's you're interesting you say that about your association with Daria. Like this record came out on the 10th of May and Kurt Cobain died on April 5th. So like yeah, yeah. it's within a month of, you know, not only Kurt Cobain's death, but essentially, you know, the death of that movement of grunge that yeah, really... Yeah. Uh, well, at least a huge turning point in it, and some would say like a downturn for sure. But mm. um, and it's weird because it's not that every band in grunge sounded like Nirvana, but there was, and in fact, a lot of them didn't. They were more like almost like alt country, yeah, well, mo- rock kind of thing. Most of the other bands from that era are like. I mean, a lot of them started out as, like, metal bands almost. Like, Yeah, you yeah, know, like- exactly. Like, the early Soundgarden stuff is just this, like, squealing Jackson guitars. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so, but it's weird because in my head I was like, yeah, Weezer was, like, post, post-grunge, post-Nirvana, whatever. Yeah. But it was, like, within a month of him dying. And these songs have been written, like, I found some stuff that said that, um, you know, some of the songs were written back in 91, like The World Has Turned and Left Me Here, which is like a great song on record. Mm. Rivers wrote before Weezer was a band. He just wrote it as a dude yeah. and brought it because the band didn't even start till 92. So, um, I, I was really interested when I kind of researched and found that out because it felt it feels like a bit of an antidote to grunge, the record. Like, yeah, it's well, got- I mean, that, that's what it, that's a lot of what I was looking up it was kind of like maybe their intention as well. Like I even like one of the notes I wrote was about that song. Like the world has turned and left me air. I was like, this is like a, this in it, like sonically is a grunge song. Like the guitars are so heavy and yeah, real yeah. beefy sounding, but it's just got like that do whoppy pop singing over top of it. And, and yeah, his singing is very like, it's the antithesis of what was going on. It's not good clean singing necessarily, but it's, yeah. It's not the warbling like Eddie Vedderness or Chris Cornell, mm. but it's also not that like gravelly Nirvana, Alice in Chains thing. So uh, I think that it probably, you know, I was too young to know, but I'm sure that it really like cut through the landscape at that time for this weird kind of, yeah, like you said, almost doo-wop kind of yeah. singing tone. So, but also like where does that sound come from for them is interesting to me because 94 or 92 to 94, like, that the entire world was ruled by these kind of rock bands. Yeah. But it turns out, and, and there's definitely nods to it throughout their career, but like with a bit of research, it's not hard to sort of find that Rivers Como is like a self-proclaimed like metalhead. Like yeah, yeah. he's into like Rat and Iron Maiden and like yeah. weird, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, there's nods to that in his lyrics and 
even in the style, like the the classic Weezer logo, the W is like a knockoff of the Van Halen logo. Yeah, like yeah. It's, and I remember seeing, like, this is how, you know, my 10-year-old brain works, but I remember seeing it inside the jacket. There's a the picture of the drum kit and in gaffer tape is the Weezer W with the things. And I was familiar with Van Halen and I was like, oh, these guys know who Van Halen are. Like everyone in the fucking world knows who Van Halen is <laughs> at this point. But in my mind, I was like, oh, wow, these guys like, because, you know, when you're that young, I feel I'm learning about what music is. I feel like you think that everyone exists in a vacuum and yeah. a, a grunge band only listens to grunge and they would never know what a Motown band is. And, mm. you know, this weird kind of rock, uh, I guess, e- essentially an emo band, right? Like this early Weezer yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, but- that, that's, that was one of the things I put down about it too. Like if for all his, uh, I looked up that stuff too. And like the, there was like a little thing about how, you know, that one of the songs is, uh, that song Undone is just the riff from Sanitarium. By yes. Metallica. <laughs> like, yeah, same, same. I had that note as well. Like, And, and, I, and then I listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, that is. And then, yeah, I read the same thing. Like it just talked about how he really liked, how he, he was in a metal band and he liked metal. And and then this is sort of what came out of that. And, and it's, it's funny because, yeah, I mean, I suppose at the time, I guess at least if, you know, if he was writing songs in 91, for example- I'm mm. sure he wasn't like th- you know thinking like oh I'm g- I'm gonna do emo because I'm sure emo wasn't even like that wasn't yeah. a word at that point <laughs> like yeah yeah totally it's like uh, I mean I don't know I, I'm not musical enough to know about um, key and 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 stuff like that but like the tone of the record is this kind of sad it's like sad notes but with this kind of upbeat yeah yeah singing over it. it's quite a strange combo which would have really yeah. Uh, I should note that, like, uh, like all good podcasts that I listen to, the some of the credit and research for this is from a Rolling Stone article that I explored, which people can do, but you know, people probably won't. They'll just be <laughs> listening to your podcast. But um, it was by a guy called Jordan Runtag, and it's um, it's it was basically like twenty five year anniversary of the Blue Album. Like, here's a bunch of stuff that you didn't know about it, and some of it yeah. I did, some of it I didn't. But it's crazy, like that that record is is like it really like slid in this sweet spot where I remember coming up, you know, after that and going to like gigs and kids, kids with like no effects patches, like kind of, you know, teenage versions of like shitty drunk punk dudes. Yeah. yeah. Were, you know, like it was totally reasonable for them to have a Weezer logo drawn on their yeah. ca- cargo shorts or whatever. Like, but that, the music sonically doesn't seem to match that in my head. Like, no. Well, that that uh, was one of the questions I have for you, obviously, because I didn't grow up here at the time. But like, mm. did when you were listening to this and then following on from that, did mm. Weezer have like a big following here? Like, was that? <clears throat> well, I, was, I was trying to think about that, and I'm pretty sure that it was very much like, um, it, even as as my like ten to twelve year old self, because that was you know at that time CDs were so rare that you, if you had one, you listened to it front yeah, to yeah. back constantly. Like I, I can kind of remember being like, Oh, you're into Nirvana unplugged in New York. Yeah. Whatever. Like I'm into this band. Like everyone in the world's got a copy of that, but have you heard of this Weezer band? Yeah. And it's kind of like they were, they kind of felt like an indie band, even though I didn't really know what an indie band was, but mm. it definitely felt like if you met someone else that was, You'd be like, oh, what music are you into? And they'd be like, oh, I like Pearl Jam. I like this. I like that. And then they'd be like, oh, I like Weezy. Oh, man, I'm into that too. And it was sort of, I can remember there being like a certain amount of that. And then 
but then, you know, along is like Green Day Dookie and, you know, into say Offspring and these kind of like the, the start of that wave of post grunge, like pop punk, punk stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, that, and at the same time, like 94 to 96, I'm like discovering Pennywise and I'm being shown stuff like that, which totally changes my, my point of view. But Weezer somehow just uh, sailed the wave the whole way. Yeah, like yeah. they were never, they didn't age out too badly. They didn't, um, they didn't really change for their whole career. Like Pinkerton, no. there is a, there is a big debate between this record and Pinkerton for a lot of people, at least like, oh, what's the best record or whatever. No one ever really brings up anything past that to be like, <laughs> dude, yeah. it's the, it's the green album. It's like, no one cares, man. Like, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think this record is great, but it's it's interesting that it, it just kind of floated along in its own lane almost. Um, yeah. Well, it, like it, the other thing too, like, I mean, I didn't realize, I mean, this is obviously it's their first record, but like it went platinum within like a year of being released. And then it's, yeah. it's now like it's triple platinum, 15 million copies of it sold. Like it's a massive record. And like, I yeah. don't, I don't, it, certainly before I look that up, I mean, maybe, and maybe this is my, like, being, you know, not so around a band like Weezer, but, I mean, to me, Weezer was always just, like, oh, it's the band that, like, the dudes from Basement like, like, and that's how they got their, you know, and, yeah. like, and it's, 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 like, a, re- it's a band that, like, people I know like, people like hardcore people or people that listen to punk like the band, but it's not the band that they're ever in. It's just a band that they listen to. And I, yeah. I, I don't know why I, I never had associated with them being as big as they are, but like, yeah, it felt like they are the musical equivalent of the movie biodome to yeah. me. Like, <laughs> like everyone is kind of like, Oh yeah, that's good. Like, but it never, you know, that, that movie isn't considered to be yeah. the best movie ever. Or like, it's not Wayne's world. People don't quote from it or not normal people. Anyway, I'm sure some people <laughs> quote Polly Shaw. But, you know what I mean? Like, it just was sort of just in the background, just si- si- yeah. the quiet achiever. Um, but, and maybe maybe that, I think the only thing that I could pin to that when I was thinking about it was maybe because it was sitting in a weird spot, like, sit- because it wasn't, like, it wasn't coming up with a whole bunch of, you know, it wasn't coming up where The Offspring and all those Pennywise and all those bands were getting huge together. And, like, yeah. then, yeah. Tr- you know, before that, Nirvana and all the grunge bands were getting big together because Weezer was kind of sitting weird. They didn't seemingly have as much peer group to to grow with, I guess. Yeah. And, like, Rivers seems to be, like, he's the guy. I couldn't even tell you the dude's names, like, the other guys in the band. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was this kind of, like, the lonely weirdo, like, he, he you know... It's it's a strange one. Like other bands had characters, you know, noodle like noodles from Offspring. Like everyone, like who? I, I don't know. Every band's happened. got one of them. Yeah, but like he he was like the the lyricist, the songwriter, and also kind of the the front person publicly. Yeah, which is interesting. But I had some other notes about like Weezer as a band because you know we're talking about where they mm. kind of fit. Like their first gig was in 1992, and then this record was 94. Their first gig actually was they were as a late edition opener um, for Dogstar, which was Keanu Reeves's band. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. Who actually played when the Matrix was filming in Sydney? I'm pretty sure that the other dudes from Dogstar came out and they played a show in Sydney. Fuck um, hell. Just some deep cut trivia for you. I think that's Nat- huge. 
I'm pretty sure Nat Perry uh, actually has a photo with Keanu Reeves from that show, perhaps. <laughs> from um, the Dogstar gig. She definitely has a photo with him, but I think it was from that gig. I don't know. Or he was at a, another gig, like an Everclear gig or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, yeah, they've done 13 records in total. Um, and then, you know, the, the color. Well, let's talk about the cover a bit, actually. So, yeah. so the, that blue cover is like, you know, universally recognizable for sure. Mm. Um, but I kind of found out that it was really, it was a knockoff. It was inspired by like a truck stop, um, beach boys compilation. Yeah, like yeah. A, I'm assuming a cassette tape or something, but you know, just a shitty photo of the band where it probably got cut out ghetto Photoshop style and stuck on a blue background, um, yeah. or a colored background, but it's like, it's been very influential. I'm sure universally, but definitely in my career, like as a designer and an artist working for bands, when bands are trying to grow a brand and all these sort of things, it like, it always comes into my head, like that a record that was never meant to be called the blue album. That was never the intention. The band never called it that has, you know, universally been remembered as the blue album because of a single color is so interesting. So like, and in my, like, I can't even deny, like in my work, like the Luca Brasi stay could be called the orange album. If you, if you wanted to, or like, um, you know, Alex Leahy's record, has like a defined pinkish hue to it that was intentional because I wanted it to read from across the room. And so Weezer went, they've been on and done like a green album, a red one, a white one, a black one. And then they recently released like a, an album of covers, like mm. which is a teal album cover, same pose as the blue album, but they're all wearing like, like yacht rock kind of suits. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because it's an album of covers and, and I'm like a total sucker for covers for sure. And yeah. when I first heard um, Rosanna, they did Rosanna mm. on there and it's like, it's amazing. But then I like listened to it again in kind of reflecting on this. And I was like, the, the only thing they have done for that cover is as much as any band playing at the Pasco Vale RSL oh, yeah, big time. has done for it. Like it was already a good song. They added nothing to it. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just competent um, musicians who can play yeah, an already yeah, good which song. Is, so then to do a whole record and put in, you know, take on me and do all these songs, it's like, it's kind of like, no doubt it's easy. It's easy to listen to, but only as much as a gold 104 playlist is <laughs> yeah. like anything um, on in the background. Yeah. So that's, that's like, a you know, that's a, there's a backhanded Weezer disc, but <laughs> I, I feel like there's other, there's like much bigger Weezer fans who could be talking about this record than me. Like I know Craig from, um, <clears throat> Craig from loser and who you spend the bennies. He yeah. is like a massive, uh, massive, Weezer fan for sure. Musically, I'm like, I've seen them a couple of times. I actually saw they did this album and Pickerton back to back over two nights when we used to live in Seattle. And we went and saw this album and didn't go to the other night. Mm. Um, and, you know, my, my wife, when she was a teenager, because we discovered this record very similar times in, you know, we didn't know each other, obviously. But when the Green album came out, she was like, you know, 16, 17 and like repainting her bedroom and took the green album to the hardware store as the paint <laughs> swatch. And like, she lived in this like Kermit the Frog green yeah, that's, room. That's like a mental like prison normal. That's, that's, that's an intense color. But like I, when, when I learned that, I love that because it's like, oh yeah, like this is, you know, this is why we, we're so perfect we're together. together. Like yeah. we, yeah, we both have these like, yeah extreme kind of focus on these these little details but so the cover was um it's a photo it's just like a straight up photo on a blue background it was shot by this guy called peter 
Gowland, mm-hmm. um, who was actually famous for shooting like glamour photos and then playboy he was like a big playboy photographer for a long time so i don't know how i guess the record label pegged him to shoot it so it would be at least like competently shot but yeah yeah. it's such the anti-matter of what he (laughs) yeah yeah it's just it's just a a portrait of four people standing around the wall (laughs) and so um there is some like some primitive photoshopping in that the bass player who's uh the third guy from the left he has a different head because he didn't like his face in the photo, which is like, I'd like that's a level of vanity that required like someone to do some serious work, which is, yeah. you know, quite unfortunate. But um, I'm sure he's glad he did it now because it's sold so many. Yeah, Everyone yeah. knows it. It's glad um, he's glad that that 15 million people have not had to look at the bad photo of him. Yeah, exactly. So I actually, I had a birthday when I returned like 22 or 23. I had a half pipe in the backyard at a mate's share house mm-hmm. and I, I threw a party there and a bunch of people were there. Actually, I think, I feel like Delby was in town and maybe even Gabe, like a few people came through. It was awesome. And then we just had a party and, and um, a guy, a friend of ours walked into the party and didn't even put his bag down before someone cheered him on to like do a running drop in onto the ramp, like run and you could dr- jump off this thing. And so he like runs out, jumps like melon grabs into the ramp, completely blows out hyper extends his elbow backwards and gets carried out of the party still with his bag on the other shoulder. Like it was all in one motion. But that, the reason I say this, that party, the invitation for it, I just photoshopped myself onto each of the dudes. Oh yeah. Good. On the Weezer cover. But I put a skateboard in one guy's arm. I put a barbecue tongs and an apron on one. Um, I put like an esky and stuff. And yeah, it was so instantly recognizable. I have to dig it up and like, share that when we share this but um yeah that's huge yeah so that's the cover stuff and then inside the cover there is a photo of um the garage like which is a real place as in in the garage the song which is a song about you know the the world's second most famous rug box uh jam (laughs) area the first the first being the i exist cave um yeah. Which, where, where was that? In, it was in it Canberra, was, but at, yeah, it was at someone's house. Murph and Sean and stuff, their old house that they lived at. It was like, it was, it was like one of those garages that's, it like deceivingly didn't look big enough to put a car in it. Like, so oh, yeah, it was yeah. just like a storage shed and Murph had put all his drums in there. And then this other jam room that we used to jam at closed down. And when it closed down- the dude was like, oh, if, oh, like people were just like, if you want to come and take the shit out, you can have it. So, Murph just went and took all the insulation and all the um, oh, all the right. carpeting. And then he put it up on, he put all the insulation in the walls and then put like built a room within the room kind of thing. Yeah. And then put the carpet all over the walls. And then it became the rug box because it was just literally f- floor to ceiling was just the same rug carpet of like the whole way around <laughs> it would have been hot oh it was fucked and it was so crudely so crudely put together in in like obviously like murph professionally did flooring for a job at one point but i'm sure he'd never otherwise <laughs> built a full room <laughs> like oh man i'm sure similar to like you building you know building <laughs> a you know the milk bar and stuff like, yeah yeah you know oh, totally um but yeah so so, the second most famous rug box would have been um, at uh, uh, 2226 Amherst Avenue, West Los Angeles. <laughs> you can still go um, for it. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go and do the uh, the reality tour. 
So that was a, a share house that, that all these dudes lived in together and they turned it into, apparently they convinced the landlord that they were UCLA film students. Um, they built a jam room in there, which became their, their garage. Um, and it was, is a photo of it in the, in the record sleeve. And I remember it because, well, as I mentioned before, the Van Halen logo yeah, yeah. on the drums, but it was also the first time I'd ever seen an orange amp. Oh yeah. So okay. the bass player is playing an orange head. And I remember seeing it then and being like, oh wow, that must be like, cause these guys are like wearing cardigans and kind of like nerdy. I was yeah, like, yeah. it must be like some old piece of shit, like amp or something. <laughs> but it's like, cause it, you know, the logo looks like it's off like a yeah, weird it's from Italian the wine bottle or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, that must be weird. And I, I remember like, mid 2000s when when bands like converge and like heavy bands started using orange and everyone was like you know doing the orange thing yeah. being like wait th- these are good i just assumed <laughs> it was like some fuzzy kind yeah, of lo-fi yeah. thing i guess maybe it is but i still don't know enough about amps to understand but i also remember being like oh it's orange that's awesome like not it's not black like every other amp ever yeah. um and then you know in in the lyrics to in the garage i remember when i first heard the song being so amped about it because he said he references Kiss, he references um, uh, I've got Ace Freely, I've got Peter Chris, yeah, which yeah. is a poster that's on the wall in there. Um, he also references like he's totally just celebrating his nerddom. He mentions like Dungeons about, and yeah, Dragons, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, yeah, twelve sided dice, and <laughs> and um, it's quite funny. Like lyrically on the record, though, like I did, I kind of studied a bit more, and um, there's like you know some really good songs, but I feel like um, the second song on the record, which is called No One Else, uh, is like, it's quite awkward and it's aged, I think, very badly. I mean, it, I don't think it ever was great, but it's basically <laughs> it's basically a song about uh, having a girlfriend that doesn't have a social life outside of himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want a girl that will laugh for no one else when I'm away. She puts the makeup on the shelf. Like, Oh, yeah when I'm away, she never leaves the house. I'm like, dude, you're on tour. Like Rivers. the whole year. What, what do you like? It, that, that was weird. Like, weird that social sentiment from the nineties hasn't, hasn't lasted till I know, 2020. I know. But it's, yeah, that, that kind of, that struck me as a bit funny, but I mean, as far as, as to my knowledge, Rivers hasn't been canceled yet, but, um, this song, you know, might put him on the chopping block. Well, <laughs> I, I think he was a lonely nerd and I think he probably, you know, still is to an extent, but, that kind of, that was the only, the only lyrics that kind of struck me. But there's like some really great, um, like when I listen to the songs, I, I really have trouble distinguishing whether it's because of my own nostalgia or it's lyrically, but he kind of paints these pictures like Surf Wax America. He's talking about like going surfing and it's kind of, it's, he's describing, you know, the sea foaming like a bottle of beer and, mm. and, and it's like, it's got this kind of rumbling rhythm to it that um, like I can picture, I'm picturing a certain setting for these songs as he's seeing them yeah, um, sure. rather than generic nothingness. Uh, yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there was that many hits on it outside. I mean, I think they're all great songs, but obviously but that, yeah. Undone was a huge song for them i think that was like their breakthrough yeah um and then buddy holly and uh say it ain't so for sure so like even if that is it off this record i'm not sure if there was more but that's like that's three big ones like yeah, yeah. they're big ones um 
But the like unequivocally, the thing that blew it up for sure is the film clip to Buddy Holly, which is um, set on Happy Days. Yeah, so, yeah. So the is actually directed by Spike Jones, which is awesome. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he so they they found. Basically, the story that I uncovered through this, which is, you know, some deep diving as in I Googled it, it was the first thing I clicked on. <laughs> um, but basically, he found this episode of Happy Days that featured Fonzie dancing. Yeah. And there was all these cutaway shots of him dancing where you couldn't see what he was dancing to. And he just kind of realized, like, this is a goldmine if you put it in context with a band playing. Yeah. So, they rebuilt the Happy Days set. They got all the extras in, in costume and- the guys from the band were saying like it was just such a bizarre place to step into because it's so familiar with the American yeah, psyche. Yeah. Like, um, they even hired the guy that played Al from the diner to like play himself, and strangely, he doesn't look that different. Like, but it must <laughs> be like forty years after the show. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard because Happy Days wasn't made in the time it was set. It was actually more like the late seventies, but well, that, it's that, set in the fifties. So yeah, yeah, and that that's one of I think that's one of like the common misconceptions of that TV show as well is that it is as old as it looks. But yeah, it, it was yeah. it was a nostalgic look at something. Yeah, it's so strange. But um, and uh, you know, the, and there's discussion uh, like uh, Dave Dave O'Neill, who's like has some a great podcast actually called Somehow Related with Glenn Robbins. He um he always references like. Fonzie was like a 30-year-old man whose office was in a toilet that hung out with teenagers <laughs> and he and he lived above a garage at Richie Cunningham's house. Like, he wasn't a cool guy, but he <laughs> was the epitome. He was an old creep. <laughs> yeah, but he was the epitome of cool. Um, and so, when they made this clip, they did it all. Spike Jones spliced it all together with this footage. Um, and Potsy from Happy Days, who is kind of a main character in these shots, he, like, didn't want to do it. And so, they were having real trouble clearing the rights to use the imagery, mm-hmm. which is, like, what the hell has Potsy got Potsy going on? Going? Yeah, what's like, he been doing? Like, surely, this wh- is a, surely this is a tick for him. Resurging. Yeah, like, I mean, was he working his way towards trying to be on, like, celebrity rehab or something? I don't know. Like, um, so, he said no, and then there was, like, a bunch of pushback, and they eventually got Henry Winkler to, to agree, and everyone was like, well, if the Fonz is cool, then we're cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, they did all that, and then- uh, you know, it went crazy, obviously, for people to watch it. And it's funny because, and Henry Winkler is, is noted as saying, like, you know, I'm actually really grateful for the clip because it made me seem cool again to, like, a new generation of kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, is funny because then he goes on to be, like, you know, in the water boy and then to be, like, yeah. Bo- Bob Log, 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 or whatever, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, like, um, and he's kind of, like, kind of famous again now because of that Barry show as well like he yeah yeah and he exactly. won, won a Emmy for it and things like that yeah he's really um he's really he's had like multiple kind of comebacks which is funny but so he he noted like you know that 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 really put him back at least on the radar for a lot of kids yeah, who yeah. probably happy days was not like a cool thing to watch I'm sure for a lot of these like depresso like music kids <laughs> that were like yeah whatever so um but the biggest push is that when Windows 95 came out, they it came with a CD-ROM that was called Fun Stuff. Yeah. And it was basically kind of like an Encarta 98 thing. Sure. Like, it had some, had some pictures of animals. It had some little games and stuff. And it had a, a, um, a .mov file or whatever of Buddy Holly by, by Weezer. That's and wild. That, I didn't know that. that. Was, that was, yeah. So, I remember watching that on our computer because 95, we would have got our first computer. Yeah. And- and it was like so. Windows ninety five comes out. It's the only option. Like there's no, yeah. 
like I don't even I don't think Apple's do I don't know what there's probably other shit going on but Windows is like but it was the, the thing it was the computer it was the yeah. the thing that people had to use a computer it's the Coca Cola of yeah. of computers and so basically Windows nine so Windows ninety five put it on that disc without asking Weezer oh they wow. just put it on <laughs> they didn't get paid for it and like Rivers discussed in this article like you know how that was like he's like what the hell's going on and they were mad about it and then he realized like. This is the biggest thing in yeah, the world. This is the and, best promo ever. Yeah. And so, essentially, like, what happened to Weezer was YouTube was invented and there was only one video on it. Oh, right. <laughs> like, said, well, you know, because everyone got a copy of this in their house. Yeah. And watch, watching video on your computer at that point was like watching magic. To th- see oh, things yeah. move was unbelievable. So, like, 95 to have a full music video, it's also... It's this one that's got the fonds and this kind of crazy retro feel to it. So, I don't know how it... I guess because it was that slice of Americana, like the Happy Days stuff, but with a modern yeah. involvement, someone somewhere made that call and did it. And, like, I, I fully believe, like, it would have changed the trajectory of the band Absolutely. career-wise. Um, yeah. So, I and I can remember watching that on the computer, which is... It, and and not, and not even wondering why the hell it was on there. Just going like, oh yeah, this is that band that I like. There's a vi- video on this on our like default CD for the, the computer. It's so bizarre. So th- there was only like um, there's one other thing that kind of I was interested in knowing more about, and that's like at the start of Undone, there's this whole kind of talking sequence over mm-hmm. the top of that guitar intro. Yeah, and I, I can remember like you know. And instinctively, I, I do it. I kind of, like, talk along to it as if it's lyrics, like, and I'm sure a lot of people do because it's like, oh, hey, Bob, and there's this kind of, like, you're going to go to the after party. Yeah, um, yeah. I was so wasted, blah, blah, like. So, I did a bit of research on that, and it was basically the first the first part because there's two conversations. One happens in the intro and then before the second verse. Um, and the first one was between they're the unofficial fifth member of Weezer who is like their collaborator. And I guess he like, I don't know if he was a producer or like maybe he was their tech or something, but he was just like around. Mm -hmm. So he um, originally had put together a sample for that song that was like a bunch of like old Fred Astaire, like talking heads from movies. And it had like, I think it had Elvis talking. It was just all kind of weird movie stuff. And then, um, they couldn't get clearance for it. So they re-recorded this thing, which is the first section is this, this tech of theirs talking to the bass player and they yeah. just kind of chat about like, we're going to go to the show, blah, blah. And then the second part is um, then that member kind of communicating some of that and some other stuff to a guy called Michael Allen, um, who actually ran the Weezer fan club. Yeah, right. And so when fan clubs would have had to have someone running them and they would have been a, a big lifeline for the band, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, Michael Allen and his sister Carly, they ran the fan club together and were, like, mega dedicated fans um, from Salt Lake City. And so, they did heaps for the band and the band, like, loved them for it. They were friends with the band, but they became friends through being fans. Um, And so, it it was really sad, actually. I researched it further. And so, Michael Allen and Carly, his sister, uh, Weezer went and played in Salt Lake City and they weren't at the show. And they... You know, this is before, I guess, cell phones even. And so, they, Weezer called the, their house and um, got onto their mum. And the mum told them that they'd both died in a car crash driving to the Weezer show. Fucking so, hell. So, like, the kids that set up and ran their fan club died on the way to the show, which is so insane. And uh, yeah. they can't, they cancelled the whole tour. Um, 
and eventually um, they actually performed at not the funeral, but some sort of memorial, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they released a song called Michael and Carly uh, on the extended kind of version of the record. And it was on a B-side for something as well mm-hmm. um, as a tribute to them because, yeah, so it's, it's like it's crazy that voice that you're hearing in that second part talking about how it's going to be so rad and all this stuff is actually this guy who, yeah, who was crazy. such Yeah, which I was like so blown away by that. But I feel like there's there's things like that in all of these like classic bands and classic records. There's mm-hmm. like, there's so much we don't know about, you know, like I was, oh, I've yeah. been watching, I've been down this YouTube hole of, of no effects for some reason. Like, I guess I watched some stuff and now my algorithm is yeah. very no effects heavy. <laughs> and cause I read the book and then like, I kind of, I, I like, I just constantly am bummed out by fat Mike. Like I really, yeah. I've, I've invested so much time He's in listening to no effects that I just go like, <laughs> man why is he gonna be such a pile sometimes but um like i i ended up in isolation watching re-watching backstage passport and there's like and then you know watching some interviews about the book which i had read as well and there's like so many so many people that die in the process of a lifetime of a band the span of a band is like you know, because there's so many people involved in bands. Even a, the smallest band has their hangers-on and friends and helpers and people that come on tour and whatever, um, or even just were like a friend of the band. So you get, can you see this dog walking yeah. in the shot right here? Um, yeah. So I, I was like, I thought it was really sad, but I'm also like, well, like they literally died at the peak of doing what they love the most. Like they yeah. ran a fan club for their favorite band. They were acknowledged as equals with that band and like appreciated and. Um, yeah, but that yeah, was, well, that was I mean, kind of a bummer. It's, and it's really, I guess the, it's really, I suppose like, obviously that's the reality is that's life. Like life happens like that, you know, and it's, it's <clears> shit. And, you know, obviously we've, we've had friends that have passed away for whatever reason. And, and yeah. I mean, even like to the extent of like, you know, my, you know, you know, exorbitant sweating of, I hate God at the time when I started really started building a relationship with them came through their drummer and he was like the guy that I got on, like spoke to the most and got on with the most. And then when we, we played, we, we played with them in Europe and then we got home from Europe and then like a week after they got home from Europe, he died. And wow. that was like a wild thing for me where it was like this guy, I mean, it's sort of the other side of that where it was like, this guy was- the drummer from my favorite band and he was like the cool way that I got into, you know, knowing those guys and stuff with yeah, th- all through him. <laughs> and like, and then that sort of vanished. And then I was in this sort of weird position too, where I was like, I'm, I was sort of friend. I became friendly with him because I loved his band and like, and then, you know, I messaged those guys obviously and said like, you know, sorry, whatever, whatever I mm. could say. And then when I then when I then saw them again years later, they were just like, "Oh, you know, it was like that. That was like obviously the shittiest thing ever." But at the same time, like it's cool that there was so many people that things like that touch on and that, that can connect to that. And then similar to this, it's it's then like a memory for you now, and it's a cool like it's it's a part of you know you you yeah, gotta, yeah. you make it a positive through how you you know how you then celebrate it or whatever you know and like yeah. And yeah, it's it's super weird. And so, like, you did that by making a podcast where you get to mention "I Hate God" in every episode, <laughs> every which is single time. 
such a big tribute to them. Well, um, truly. And I mean, I think my, my crowning achievement that when they were here recently was I was standing in the beer garden of, of a venue talking to the bass player and someone- Remember came- the venues? So crazy. Yeah, yeah, remember that? Remember being somewhere? Yeah, um, yeah. And someone came up to him and asked him to take a photo and he and he did. Um, and then he was talking to this guy and I was just sort of standing there on my phone or something drinking my drinking the beer I was drinking. And then the dude said to me, he was like, oh, you, you play and I exist, right? And I was like, yep. And then he, the bass player sort of said, he was like, oh, is this the first time you've ever seen this guy without an I had God shirt on? And <laughs> so, I was like getting roasted by the oh, guy who's- good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad that I've now- I've yeah. transcended that to the point of now I'm just I'm just a joke. So oh man, that's, cool. that's that's good. I like it. Um, but yeah, so I guess I mean in in summary, the um, the record is awesome. I think it's great. Uh, I've kind of I'm I tried to figure out if I need to be in the mood to listen to it. Yeah. Like you know, there's certain records that is 100 percent like it's a day for that record or it's not. Like sure. Um, and I feel like it's uh, in a full dose, like a full start to finish. That's like a mood thing. Mm-hmm. But if it comes up in a on a you know on a shuffle in a in a Spotify playlist, like some of the tracks, yeah, um, it's 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 like a tasty ingredient. It's just yeah. like a little. It's a little lump of avocado in the salad. It's just <laughs> it's it's great. So I, I think it's like. Uh, is it, and I'm sure is it like people- one of your is it. Is it your favorite record of theirs? Definitely my favorite record of theirs. Yeah. Um, and it would be in the mix. Like, if you asked me to name top 10 records ever, it'd be in there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. But it depends to what slight, you know, if, if you were to, like, say, top 10 heavy records, I could easily name 10 heavy records sure. that I lean towards more than this. Um, and I don't, I will never, I will never classify it in the, like, classic category because I came onto it too young like it like um it's even though it's over 25 years old yeah to me it's like just a record from my my generation my era so yeah, sure i don't i won't i don't think i would look at it like a um you know fleetwood mac rumors or something sure, which sure. is like feels like it's Change on a different music forever kind of thing yeah and it's on a different tier but to some people like to some kid who is yeah. like you know um, to like a young twenty-two-year-old, like kind of Poison City um, indie, yeah, like in rock kind of dude, they might discover this. They might have discovered this at age sixteen and been like, "Oh, and when I heard that, it totally made me the songwriter I am today." You know, well, like, but and and like I kind of loosely mentioned it before, but like, and I mean, I, I don't know, but like, yeah, like bands like your like your basements and title fight and things like that. Like yeah. this to those bands, I'm sure. I mean, again, I don't, I might be speaking out of turn here, but like this to me sounds like that's where a lot of that foundation, you know, starts. And yeah. then. Th- but it's not as, it's not as cool as saying like Walter from Gorilla Biscuits influenced yeah. this, but like, I'm sure that if you talk to Walter about it, he would have something to say about Weezer as well. Yeah, like yeah. It's, um, and it's weird because they now tour with, you know, connecting back to your episode with Stu Ross when you guys had a good Avro together. Um, <laughs> it was, but like they now tour with Green Day and Fallout Boy. Yeah, yeah. Who, and so Green Day, Fallout Boy, Weezer, Mega Tour. And like, 
all of them have kind of lost their way into this like generic, yeah, yeah, kind like Big Weezer's band. out there, yeah, playing the Rosanna drum beat <laughs> to like get people hyped up, you know, like. Um, but then I'm sure that when they play these these songs from this record, it just like would rip. I'm sure, but they're also like they're bands that have been around for pushing 30 years, like of well, not Fall Out Boy, but Green Day and, and Weezer at least, yeah. Um, so like this is where, like they are a stadium rock band oh, yeah, now, absolutely. which is so weird. Um, and I I do remember seeing because Rivers plays like a flying V with like a lightning bolt strap <laughs> and like. He, but he's never changed his look. He just like has added like weird costume to it, you know, like <laughs> the cardigan's like, still there underneath the it. The cardigan, but he'll have like a cut off leather jacket over the top or something. Yeah. Like it's quite it's quite strange. But they've done like amazing video clips with like the Muppets, and they've done like they've done some shit that's like for them. I'm sure they're just like, man, we just have done stuff that we wanted to do. We've done yeah. it our way. Well. Um, and- I think, like, yeah. broadly, it's it's quite funny to me because I think one of the other things, I don't know if it's just an assumption or it's because of, like, the lyrics in the in the songs, but, like, for me, I think always, like, lingering in the back of my head, this, this band was always, like, massive for, like, nerdy teens who had, like, unrequited love issues yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah then, totally. But then now that's transcended into playing stadiums and, like, being on Jimmy Kimmel and things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's kind of- um, I feel like they're a little bit in, like, the same category as, like, Jimmy Eat World or something. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, like- They're kind of inherently sad songs and yeah. whatever, but they can- They're written with this tone and and- and vibe that you can just kind of have them on and they have, like, good background kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, and I think, like, I think to me, because there is a relative peppering in the record of, like, having singles, it is one of the- it, To me, it's like- it. To me, it, it listens through now like, like, a, like a good pop rock record in that it has, you know, it'll have the hooks that'll keep you in every couple yeah. tracks. And, I mean, again, like, Say It Ain't So is, like- I would say, like, despite, I don't know if it's a bigger single than Buddy Holly, but, like, the hook in that song is, like, a real, real hook, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty deep into the record, which is, like, yeah. like that's bizarre for yeah. for an album the, like this to not start with it, you know? That that song could easily be a title fight or a citizen song sure. or, yeah, like, yeah. What, any of those bands for sure. Yeah. Um, but I the one thing I did note was also... Um, and it's actually a meme at the moment of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen when he recognizes, but when a band sings the lyric, like yeah. the, the title <laughs> is the lyric, yeah, yeah. like the record starts, there's like four bars and he says, my name is Jonas, which is the song name. <laughs> and then a few songs later, you hear him scream and I've come undone, which is the song name. Like say it ain't so in the garage, like, um, he st- the w- world has turned and left me here. Like, he yeah, picked he's, his he- stuff very easily. <laughs> yeah, he had a method for sure. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I feel like it's you know when you go to a recording studio and the the track listing of like what's finished is like uh, riffy one, riffy <laughs> two, uh, drum drum fill kicker thing. Like, and then it also like Darren's a dumb dog, and you're like, well, that's going to get changed eventually, and it's like. <laughs> All of a sudden, you read it, and the track listing is like all these real serious, dark names, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. No, yeah, I think like, it's, I mean, it's it's something as well with like obviously, 
you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a credit to him with with how he's you know structured this out. But I mean, to me, I guess one of the things that I that sticks out for me with this record, and I think probably part of why it was you know has inevitably become so successful is that clearly it was very well thought out. In that he spent mm. obviously years actually working on it before it came out. But it is it. That's one of the things that's I'm not finding with everyone that I'm talking to about this, but kind of regularly is that often, you know, some of these like classic bands that have these massive records, often the first record is fucking huge. And then they spend years trying to regain that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this was 94, 96 was Pinkerton. Yeah. And then 2001 was the green record. Yeah, so they yeah. had like two years and then five years. Yeah. And, and I feel like they had kind of missed the boat a little by 2001. Like, they had been away for a long time. Yeah. Pinkerton had, um, uh, what's that song called? God Damn These Half Japanese Girls, uh, El Scorcho, which was, like, another massive song yeah. for them. But then, like, the Green Album had Dope Nose and, like, a few tracks. But um, I feel like they were, you know, I'm sure that there was some internal struggles there trying to, like, oh, yeah. trying, to, trying to write another say it ain't so is not an easy task having the lightning strap strike twice dude he's still playing it like <laughs> the, he's he's got that strap in the film clip to say it ain't so and i just watched a youtube of them playing on jimmy kimmel like um, three months ago or whatever yeah and he's and i don't know if he's had it replaced since then like <laughs> maybe you get one of those sweet crime scene do not cross straps that's 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 what i want to get for my isolation guitar it no, lasts really. forever that strap <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my. Well, it's my that's my info session and my my your brain a, dump <laughs> a, a smattering of my personal opinion on on the Weezer self titled AKA Blue record because um, mm. I really you know I want to do it justice because I do think it's great but I also don't want to disappoint Duck and come to the podcast with <laughs> no content so. I'm sure Doc will be very satisfied with this and it wasn't just you and me talking well, about if I, whatever yeah. it is the last four times we've done If this. I had done Melancholin or Diesel Boy or something, maybe she would have been more <laughs> of a fan. I know you, Doc. I know your roots. This is a very um, this is a very niche call out portion of the podcast <laughs> to my girlfriend. Um hey, but I do I, I, I know we talked about this off 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 the air, but yeah, I, I do really love this format because Speaking about records is so interesting because I listened to all those previous ones you've done and, um, you know, say like Stu and the Green Day record, like I knew that, yeah, I, I that could have been me on that podcast because yeah, yeah. like, I knew that so well. But then listening to Bo talk about Nine Inch Nails totally uh, brought it brought it to the forefront of my attention and I was able to kind of revisit it. Having I was I, I never got it first time around. Obviously, 89, it was before my time, but in the, you know, the Marilyn Manson uh, Slipknot kind of early, mid-90s kind of rush, when kids I was friends with started getting into that sort of stuff, I was just like, this is, nah, it's not for me. And I was already down this sort of fat records hole. Yeah. Um, but I was able to go back around to it and, like, yeah, it's it's a really interesting record. Is it my favorite? Probably not. But, like, I've definitely put a couple of songs off it into my daily Spotify kind yeah, of mix. Yeah. and. And when they come on, I just the one thing I keep thinking about is I googled that that computer that he made all the beats on, yeah, yeah. And like that computer couldn't have even run a CD-ROM of Buddy Holly music video. <laughs> like it was terrible. And he managed to create like this, you know, yeah. world-changing record. Yeah. No, I think I think that's been the 
I mean, by the time this one goes on the internet, another one that I will I will have put up is um, with Nate from Converge talking about U two the Joshua Tree. And like wow. I was quite I was quite surprised when he, he said he wanted to do that record and I was like, Oh, that's fucking awesome and the the conversation is really good. But it was one of those things where like I similar to the Nine Inch Nails record that Bo picked, like I obviously like I know obviously I know you two and I know the hits and I know the records yeah. and things like that. But that record now, since talking to him about it and since sitting down and properly listening to it in full is like I have like a whole new appreciation for that band and that record. And I think honestly the same with this record too. Like I, before it would have just gone, oh yeah, that's the one that's got all the big, that's got the three singles that I know on it. But I think listening to it as a whole now, I'm like even just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that was kind of the point in doing this honestly was that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted to, you know, I feel like you get, I get more out of talking about, or listening to music when I've talked about it with people, and that's why I wanted to do mm. this. Like, it's interesting seeing what what feels like a cohesive record. Like all the songs on this Weezer record, for example, they roll. Like it makes sense that they're all in one record. They yeah. really roll together. But that's not to say that a record that sounds like bits of different ideas coming together is bad. But it is interesting to see hear something and go like, "Holy shit!" Start like first note to last note that all made sense together. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so. Yeah. Uh, that's that's gonna be interesting because I have no love for you too, so I'm I'm keen to um yeah. I'm keen to listen to that and kind of get that perspective a little bit. Yeah, and I, I we we talk a bit about like the I was similarly like skeptical in that you know like uh, you know this sort of like a universal thing about like Bono just being a dickhead or a bit yeah. like <laughs> you know someone who but then when you listen to like at least when I listen to that record and how the music works and how the the themes and stuff i was like oh this guy is like a great musician is it there's a reason why like his band is successful it's not just the fucking glasses or whatever you know yeah it's not just the skull cap um yeah right well i mean it's yeah so thank you for bringing it back because it's uh it's an awesome especially right now when we all kind of are doing doing what we're doing but it's been lovely to um it's been lovely to just talk some shinfo about this thing as well. Hey, you know, well, thank you for doing it. Um, yeah. So, when do you want to do episode six? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll see how long we're all trapped inside. It might be sooner rather like than later. I, I used to get the call up, like, you know, occasionally for different variations, and now it's pandemic only. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be like, hey, I, you know, tsunami's coming, so I guess uh, am I, another am podcast? I on again? Like, yeah. <laughs> World might end. Got to get another one in. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's all good, man. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks for having a chat. And maybe we'll talk again soon about something else that uh, you found on your computer when you were younger. Yeah, who knows? Let's go. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers.